Hello and welcome to the Creators Club podcast, a regular series featuring talks from our guests, presenters, recorded live at the Creators Club monthly Inspire sessions. In this episode, double agent Tope Chiodosi shares his experience as an educator and rap artist and how in his journey he discovered that passion isn't enough. Passion and money is a constant battle, whether we do what we do for passion, whether we do it for money, and I'm going to come from a different angle. So first off, my name is Tope Chidozie. Uh, what I do, I'm a double agent. So in the daytime, I work for a charity called MyBank. And MyBank, M-Y-B-N-K. MyBank, they teach young people about financial education, how to manage their money. Um, so we go into schools, we teach about taxes, we teach about pay slips, we teach about direct debits, credit cards, credit scores, everything. And I've been doing that for five, four years, and recently started a new post with them where young people who are leaving care and going into their own flats, we teach them how to manage running the house, paying the bills, direct debits, reading the electric meters, etc., etc. So that's what I do in the daytime where I wear my normal clothes. And then in the nighttime, I switch up and I become this whole different person. I'm actually an introvert. So my job by default is hard because I have to be at the center of the stage, like almost like I'm doing a performance every single day. But then I have to go at nighttime and I become a, an artist, I'm a rapper. And so I've been doing music for like, goodness me, I'd say about 16 years I've been doing music. I haven't, in a sense, blown um, because otherwise I think I'll be doing something else right now. I'll be, <laughs> I'll, I'll be touring or something. Um, but it's my passion. It is my, I have tried to run away from this passion. I have tried to throw it to the side, but I just, I love making music and I love music. However, in my journey, I have learned that passion isn't enough. As sad as it sounds, as crazy as it sounds, I've learned that passion isn't enough. And I just want to kind of explore that in this small talk. All right, so tell you a bit about my journey. This is where my journey started, in a swimming pool. It started there because in year eight, everybody's idea was, hey, we had a swimming pool in our school, let's go swimming. I said, that's a great idea. I'll follow you as well. Not that I knew how to swim, but I thought, hey, let me give it a try. Everyone's dumped in the pool. I was at the shallow end. All my friends are at the deep end. Now, you know, you can only do the shallow end for so long before, you know, you start to feel like a bit inadequate. So everyone said, let's have a race. We're going to race from this side to this side. All right. Uh, so it's the width way. We're going to do the width way. Now, I, I know I couldn't swim, but what am I going to do? Jump out of the pool? No. I said, yeah, let's get into it. And in my mind, I said, if I can swim halfway, I don't need to win the race. I just need to be able to take part and swim halfway. Then I can just paddle the rest. I marks, get set, go. Did what I could. Got to the middle part, ran out of breath. And for some reason, I started to sink. And I couldn't understand why, but I was starting to sink. I didn't know how to tread water. So I thought at this point, somebody, the lifeguard that was above, would Baywatch dive in and you know rescue me didn't happen 
So my feet sank to the bottom and touched the, the bottom of the swimming pool. So I pushed myself up thinking, I'll push up, you know, like in the movies where you push up and you gasp for air. No, I was only halfway and the water was still halfway to go. So I was scrambling and I was losing, I was starting to panic, I was losing consciousness a bit. And then I, there was one moment where I was like, I'm going to try one last time and then that's it. And so I remember I, was, I went like that, ah, and then I kind of just let go. And then boom, came a hand, Hayden Critchfield, I, have to always, I remember his name forever. <laughs> <laughs> My friend Hayden Critchell, not the, not the lifeguard who I was right underneath, but Hayden Critchell, my friend, put through his hand, pulled me over to the side, and I was coughing and spluttering, and I said, <laughs> you know, what happened, guys? And he goes, oh, we thought you were joking. We thought you were playing around. I said, no, I almost died. Like, I almost died. I ran home, I didn't even tell my parents. But I sat on the bed that night, and I thought, oh, my days. Like, I, like, I almost died. Like, I, like, that could have been it. And that moment, I think I said to myself, you know what, life can be done in a moment. Like, at, at any given moment, life can be done in a moment. So I need to find what is passionate to me in life. I need to, my life has to mean something. It can't be I died in the bottom of a swimming pool. It has to stand for something. And that kind of began my journey. And I had an older mentor, and one day we were just talking about that experience and he said to me this statement and I've never ever forgotten that statement. He said, when you die, will it matter that you live? And that one statement has just guided me through my whole life. A, 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 I call it the burden of ambition. I have a burden of ambition. Because of that experience, I have a burden of ambition. Not only that swimming pool experience, but this scar on my head caused me to have a burden of ambition. This scar on my head is not a fashion statement. It is not a style. It is because I almost died coming into this world. My mum had me premature about four months and I was a little something. <laughs> I hadn't even properly formed. My stomach hadn't properly formed. My intestines hadn't properly formed. They had to quickly put me into an incubator. I was in the incubator for weeks upon weeks. They were doing tests and all sorts. And then the doctor did an operation on my head. And what happened was, normally we get scars, little marks from our operations, you know, across your belly, across your... But because I was such a young child and it was on my scalp, the small scar, as my head expanded, began to expand. And there was no way for them to... They could have done operations, but I was too, too young. So I already came in the gate just scraping through. And through my life, it has always been, if I just made it, if I just made it out of that swimming pool, my life has to stand for something. And the way it stood for something was in music. Music is my passion. I wake up, listen to music. I sleep to music. My wife always says to me, take out your earphones before you sleep. I'm like, cool, okay, no problem. I turn over and I put my earphones back in. In the shower, I had to get installed, um, you know, waterproof speakers. Um, growing up, I was, I'm the eldest of five children. And my mum and dad originally split up. And so I live with my dad alone in South London, where my brothers and sisters and my mum and stepdad lived in West London. I didn't really know this, though. <laughs> so for a long period of time, it was just me and my dad. Now, I'm from a Nigerian background, African background. And a lot of the time, you learn anger before you learn love. So he was a very harsh 
father, much more of a disciplinarian than a, a nurturer. And so even if he would call my name, I would shudder. I learned to fear him as opposed to love him. I didn't know what love was. I just knew fear. So Michael Jackson, when he, my dad would go to work, Michael Jackson was my escape. He was my, like, I could go to a whole other place. I would listen to his music. I would watch his concerts. And one thing that stood out to me with music was the way he connected with people, people of all ages, people of all backgrounds. And I said, I would love to do that. So as I would practice my moonwalk, as I would practice my skills, I said to myself, one day I would love to make music that can do that same thing, connect with people, like on a, on a deeper level, level. Like there are artists who make music for people to dance, and there's artists that make music for people who like to reflect on different situations, music that speaks what they cannot speak. I said, I want to do exactly that. I loved the impact that music makes. I love how I can make something in my bedroom and I don't know anybody, but it can impact them across the world. I know that there's songs that I have on my playlist that um, the artists, when I play them, I think of a mood and I go for that artist. But that artist has no idea I'm playing their music and how it's impacting me. I said, I love that. I love how I'm able to transcend any kind of barrier, whether it's race, whether it's class, whether it's um, location, and be able to impact someone. And then I love the feeling. I love the feeling of, music for me is a bit magical because it never existed 10 minutes ago. And then I write a verse, a chorus, a verse, a chorus, I've got the song, and then you give it out to the world. And someone connects with that? That is absolutely crazy. That is, people are singing your song. And for me, sometimes it's not about the crowd singing my song. It's about it really connecting with someone, an individual who can connect with that situation or that song. I wrote a song called The Becoming. And um, it came from, I'm a male, I'm a man. And with that comes a whole heap of baggage. What is it to be a man? What is masculinity? In this day and age, what are the pressures that come with being a man? Do men have feelings? So I thought, I want to write a song about the becoming, how a man has to try and is constantly becoming what he deems as a man. It's never a final state. It's a constant process from when you're young to when you're a young adult to even adulthood. You still are still trying to carve and find your way. One of the lines, I'll do one of the verses. Can I do one of the verses? It's this thing on. All right. And so the verse goes, it takes heart to want to be a man. It takes a bigger heart to truly understand what we as men go through on a daily basis, but you won't ever know it because we hide and never show it. Nowadays, it's complicated trying to be a man. Do I bust guns or do I hold your hand? Can I trust you with who I really am? Me, I'm just a Clark Kent. The world wants a Superman. But I say fear him who never sheds a tear because one day he'll break down and he'll disappear. Since caveman days, it's in our DNA to provide by any means, any way. And that desire to provide, it runs deep. So it means most time we don't get no sleep. Staring at the ceiling, doing mad calculations. High blood pressure, mad palpitations. Ladies, please 
I can't remember that verse. But yeah, that was the first one. <laughs> that was the second verse. So writing that song, it kind of encapsulates all these things that I love about music and why I'm passionate about it. And I don't have the biggest numbers. I don't have the amazing following. These are my stats as of last night. I have 2,312 Instagram followers. 3,002 Twitter followers. 321 Spotify listeners. 293 YouTube subscribers. And 6,000 views on YouTube is my highest to date. In the grand scheme of things, that is poor. In the music landscape, you would not even get a look in with those type of numbers. But I've come from such a long journey of doing music, and because of the passion I have inside, I never started it because of this. I didn't even know this even existed back in my Michael Jackson moonwalking days. I didn't care about all this. I just wanted to make music that could connect, <coughs> connect with people. That's what matters most to me. However, in all this, truth of the matter is, unfortunately, passion's not enough. I am so passionate about music, but nobody knows who I am. I'm so passionate about music, but until this day, you would never know who I am. And so what I learned is nobody cares about what you're doing unless you're creating value. Passion, my passion, nobody cares. Not because they don't want to care, but they've got their own lives to live. Everybody has their own passion. Everybody has what they're doing that is of major importance. But the day it creates value in their heart, oh, that's the day when everything changes. That's when somebody is clamoring on a 9 a.m. morning trying to get tickets to your concert before it sells out because what you're creating is valuable to them. And so they exchange value for value. We value, you know, lots of things, but money is a, if I lost 50 pound, I'm gonna turn over my room <laughs> because I knew, I, I, I saw the 50 pound, but I need to get that back, it's valuable. Money, whether we like it or not, yes, it runs the world to an extent, but it holds values and value in people's hearts. And when you create something that is valuable to them, they're ready to exchange what is valuable to them, all right? So I learned this a long time ago. So I don't take it to heart when my own friends and my own family don't post my music. When they don't always come to the gigs. When they don't always know, or they ask that fateful question that I hate so much. A question that rocks my core so much. A question that causes me to want to run out of the room. Oh, oh do you still do music? <laughs> Yes, I released something last month. I hate that question. But it just shows how this world, they are bombarded with music all the time. And this is just my little field. In whatever field that you're in, there are so many competitors. But I don't take it to heart. Because nobody cares. Nobody cares about my music. But I'm actually, I'm actually cool with that. Because I understand why you wouldn't. So my job is this. Gary Vee is known for his passion. He's a very passionate person, but what he's been able to do 
is leverage that passion into something that is valuable to people. When you go on his Instagram, you go on his YouTube, he does one thing with his passion. He, sh he is selfless and he shares. He creates and gives out value to people. On his Instagram, on his YouTube, whatever he does, he provides solutions to people. Do this. Let me give you advice on this. This I did, this can help you. And that is what is creating value around his passion. Creating value is about monetizing your passion by creating value. How do you create that value? You have to be selfless. Being selfless is very difficult in this age because if you look at Twitter feeds, if you look at Instagram, it's all around kind of, hey, look at me. Hey, hey, this is what I do. Come and click this. That is the premise of what a lot of people are going on. But creating value in it requires you to be selfless, to say, what is it within my arsenal? What is it within my gifts, my skills, and my talents that I can give to people of value? And so that's what I have seen work a bit more so for me. This is how I create value. I am a, uh, a rap artist, but I also do events, okay? So I'll, I'll talk about, I'll talk interchange between the two of them. Home Invasion, Home Invasion was an idea that I thought of as an artist, if people won't come to me, I have to go to them. <laughs> I've got to actually go to them. And so I thought what I would do is, I was releasing a project and I put it out there to say, hey, I'm willing to, in my nine to five job life, I'm married as well, in my many hats that I have to wear, I'm gonna take time out of my time to come to your house and play you the music, the project before it releases, before anybody's heard it and spend time and sit with you and see what you think about it. That connection alone was an amazing experience. I was coming into people's homes, into their comfort, but what it did, it created value in their eyes in terms of the music I was providing them. They saw that I just didn't want you to click on this link, but I care about what you think. Now, between me and you, I had made the project. I wasn't changing anything. Whether you don't like the chorus or not, it's done. But your value, your um, opinion mattered so much to me. I wanted to know what you thought, whether it was good, whether it was bad. And I've seen those people I did that home invasion with have just stayed there following me. I created a WhatsApp group called the Inner Core. And so we hear this thing about having mailing lists and, and the like, but I thought, let me take a different route. I'm gonna be the one to create a WhatsApp group for people who I see already support me. So it's, it's literally, how many of us? I say about 16 of us in this group. Whenever I'm about to do anything, they know about it first. I'm about to drop this, have a listen. I wrote this lyric yesterday, have a listen. Now the outside social media world have no idea I do that. But I'm trying to create value with my small inner core because these are people who I have seen go the mile for me and I want to kind of reward that. So if someone said to me once, oh, how do I get into the WhatsApp group? I was like, you don't. I put, I put you in because I monitor people. People who, if I say, hey, I put out a video, who are the people that just naturally retweet it? Who are the people that naturally share it? You get a look in. I share the process, the ups and downs. Currently, I'm about to release a, um, a project, a 12-track project, 
that I've been working on for two years. It takes so long to get this music out, but two years. And it's been a difficult time because when I started it, I was depressed. I wasn't pressed. I was depressed. I was so, so low. And I wanted to just give up, not only on my passion, but on life. I was that depressed. I believe in God. And my mum called me. She prayed for me. And I went back to God and I said, you know what, this is my passion. But I've lost my way. Like, help me get back. And literally, I went back to the studio. I started to write. And I, out for me, poured 24 songs. 24. I've never written that much in my life. But out for me, poured 24 songs. And so I shared that process on Instagram. I shared it with the inner core to create value around what I'm giving them. I had to, it was hard because I had to really just not care about the dollars, not to care about the numbers. I had to care about the people and creating value with them. And as I shared it with them, it's almost like the harvest came. That's when people, even more people were interested. Even more people were invested in this process. I had to create ancillary experiences. So one of the things that I did um, when I released my last project was instead of doing a concert, I created a drama production. I always wanted to do A-level drama, but my mum said, no, why? That's not a career. But dramas, I just love drama. And so I had five songs and I created drama pieces and sketches and skits around each song and did it before an audience. That was difficult. That was difficult. But I shared that experience and I gave them something that was more than just the music. We can give our passion and our product out there. Hey, come and click this. But if you can create experiences around what you do, you enable people to come in at different points. So people who are not really into my music, but are visually stimulated by drama and love the arts, they came in through there. And it created value in their eyes. They were like, oh, okay, I like what you do beyond this music thing. From it also came a book, because I saw from where it came from, the whole experience and how down I was. And so I wrote down things that helped me get through it, things that helped me stay focused, things that, things that talk about passion, things that talk about purpose and destiny. And I threw it in a book. And I sold that. Never done it in my life, but passion will make you find a find make you find a way. Social media. Social media is an interesting thing again because it is a me me campaign. But creating value in your social media, I learned from Gary Vee. He mentioned something about giving your audience, yeah, making sure you give value to your audience. Why should they come and see what you're doing? And because I do music, I thought, you know what, I would love to guide people on the music business because it can be a very, very shady business. So all I did was follow a few accounts that talk about music business, follow a few websites that talk about music business. And any single time that they post something that I thought might be interesting for my people to know, other creatives, other artists, I pulled it from there, put it on my social media. My friend the other day, a good, good friend of mine, she does marketing, she called me, she said, um, you know your Instagram, she's very, um, she'll be upfront, which is good sometimes. Um, but she'll be like, you know your Instagram, you know, I've had a look through it, and it's, you know, it's, it's very much about your music and 
about music, business tips and advice. I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's the direction I'm going. She goes, oh, okay, you sure? I said, yeah, yeah. And why? Because I wanted to, from the music, do workshops as well. I want to talk about music. Now, how is the best way to do that? Well, to give out all the nuggets I'm finding rather than just keep them close guarded to me. I wanted to once do a clothing fashion line. I had a friend who did clothing and I messaged them one day, hi, who do you use to print clothing? Who do you use to do your embroidery? And she was acting, you know, she was <laughs> dodging the question. I was like, just, just let me know. Never came through. So I asked a random person who I admired their work, said, oh, who do you use for embroidery? He said, this person, this person, go here, go here. I said, why did you, how come you told me everything? He said, mate, the internet is there. This is not, I'm not no guarded gatekeeper. If I can help you, then I will. I said, aha. So with my social media now, that's all I use it to do. I've learned if you give of yourself to people, if you found a way and you show other people the way, it creates value. When they come to my page, they know they're gonna find something that's gonna help them. So it takes a lot of, you have to be selfless in this game, that's what I'm realizing, for your passion to actually uh, work and, and, and to connect with people. Give it all away. Don't hold it to yourself, give it away, because in giving it away, you open up the opportunity to gain more. All right, a few more things. Response and engagement, ha ha ha. I hold an event called The Sit Down. The Sit Down is a live Q&A event where I get guests from different walks of life, whether it's entertainment, sports, business, people who have a story that can inspire the people that come. We get an audience there to come, which is normally their fan base or their support systems. And these people, while I interview them, we have a break, they can then ask their questions. Questions they couldn't ask on social media because maybe the person's too busy, they don't get their replies. And so I've got one on Friday and the gentleman we picked is a gentleman called Carl Loco. And he came, he's an ex-gang member who turned his life around and got invited to, uh, he's a very, very, very close friend to Harry, Prince Harry. And so he got invited to the wedding. People clamored to the event. I normally, book for 40 tickets, because <laughs> I don't want to be too ambitious. I just keep it to 40. This one, 40 went like that. I was like, oh my gosh, I've never experienced this before. Like, what do I do? Had to find a whole new venue. Finally found one that seats 98. We released a whole new set of tickets that sold out in four minutes. I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't, I, what do you do? Even in that moment, I learned a crucial thing, that with success comes more pressure. And it's what you do with that pressure, with that success that determines whether it can expand again. So this has been such a learning curve. And so people were messaging me on Instagram. Hi, oh, I couldn't get tickets. Any tickets left? Hi, oh, um, is there gonna be another set? Ah. And I thought, this first person that came up, I started to type, ah, oh, unfortunately, and then I stopped. I said, no, 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 no. What would you want in that situation? And I thought, let me actually video myself to the person, give them human response and a human engagement, but quick and swift. I said, oh my gosh, I'm just um, on my way to the station. Unfortunately, there's no tickets, but if anything does um, come up, I'll let you know. The person was like, oh, thank you so much, thank you. Another person, oh, unfortunately, I can't be there. Uh, unfortunately, we ain't got no more tickets, but keep posting on the site, 
and I'll let you know. I just kept on doing videos. And then one woman posted back. She said, thank you for your video response. I said, okay, but why? why? Why is that such a thing? She said, because normally, one, either people don't reply, or two, you just feel like you're talking to a robot. And I was like, that's interesting. Though that person didn't get tickets <laughs> to the event, that experience created such value in her mind that this, this group here, this organization, I'm gonna, stick, I'm gonna stick with it. I didn't get to go to this one, but I'm gonna keep an eye out for the second one. And so the way we engage and we respond, like people say, you know, everybody's on their phone nowadays, which is true. But there are positives and negatives. And my positive and my passion is that I can quickly respond to someone. Hey, boom, this is what happened. And it creates value within them. Human interaction. I'm an introvert, like I keep saying. So human interaction is it's daunting. It's very daunting. I don't go to many networking events because I'll be in the corner. I, I just, it's so difficult for me. So even doing this today, Wow, pat on the back topic. But I have actually, at the same time, um, you know, talking to Christina, talking to Dan, it's such, a it's such a beautiful thing. So when I went to the home invasions, I'm interacting with these people in a live setting and we're talking and I'm learning from their side when they're listening to music, what are their feelings? And from there, it opens up a whole new experience and a whole new journey. Talking to Christina, talking to Dan, Dan today, I hear, you just get, it's, it's so beautiful because everybody in this room has a story and there's a parts, there are parts that are great about that story and there are parts that are difficult, but they're a story and learning those stories, if you're creating, whatever your passion is, if you're able to, um, as well as online, create experiences or situations or places where human interaction can take place, that can never replace 5,000 Instagram followers. I can never replace the value of six million, I don't know, Twitter followers. Last year, they did a survey in terms of um, live events across the UK. So things like wireless, things like um, uh, Bestival, things like um, Glastonbury. And they saw a spike, a, a, a rise in attendance, which they tracked from the last three or four years has been progressively going up. Which, in a sense, doesn't make sense to the argument that um, phones and social media are making us less interactive. But what it shows is that the rise in attendance means you can never ever beat that factor of human interaction. People still want to go out with their friends, bump into a random group of people, start up a conversation and something can spark from there. Human interaction, it still trumps everything. So even no matter what you're doing, if you are uh, predominantly based online or um, everything is just, you know, this social media generation, never rule out what human interaction can do. You're doing a book, and you're talking about Christina, we're looking at a book, um, whether it's like a little book reading, if you're launching a brand how can you get people to talk about that brand? Not on Twitter, not on a hashtag, but in real life. So Creators Club, I've only just my first time being here, but I can see that already there's a, uh, a community around it where it's not predicated on your phone, it's not predicated on the screen, it's that human interaction. All right, so like I was saying, 
Nobody cares. <laughs> it's your job to make them care. Nobody cares about your passion. And it sounds so rude, sounds so abrupt. But the moment you're able to accept that, the moment you realize it's down to you to create the value in what you do, right? Nobody cares, it's your, it's your job to make them care. Each time I put out music, I tell myself that. Um, Drake had a lyric, which I, I always remember, and it sticks in my mind. He said, it's not about who did it first. It's about who did it right. He said, it's not about who did it first. It's about who did it right. You can have all the passion in the world, but how does that passion translate to the receiver? How do you go about creating value to the receiver? As soon as you create that value, you've already got their money. You've already got their attention. You've already got all that you need from them. All right? Thank you very much. I am Icy. If you want to follow anything on social media, I am ICIE Music. And if you want to stream to your heart's content my music, it's ICIE. I highly recommend you do. Um, but it's also on Apple Music, iTunes, anywhere that you interact with. All right? Thank you very, very much for your time. I hope today's made sense. All right? My name is Andy Dunn. Thanks for listening to the Creators Club podcast. I hope it sparks some new thoughts or ideas. Please share it with anyone that it may help and come to one of our live events for a full Inspire Night experience. The Creators Club podcast is recorded and edited by Martin Lumsden and is a Cream Room production. If you'd like to know more about Creators Club, please go to creatorsclub.co.uk.